This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big line? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. So I will tell you first what feels different. As you mentioned, we're living in a post-Roe era, and that was something that was met with applause every time someone took to the stage to say just that. And then, of course, there's signs around here that say, I'm living in a post-Roe generation. And so for people who are here, these, of course, we know these are opponents to abortion rights. And for them, when we ask them, hey, Roe was overturned, we know that this was the platform for March for Life. It was started the year after Roe v. Wade as a way to protest Roe versus Wade. And so for them, my question was, so you're still here. What keeps you here? And so what I'm seeing from both sides is they say they were galvanized by Dobbs in very different ways. We had a chance to speak to both sides. Take a listen. Students for Life of America was was founded as a post-Roe organization because we always envisioned this day when it would happen. Not if Roe would be reversed, but when. And now that it has, we've already mobilized thousands of students all over the country. Um, and so to think that, oh, our work is done, well, our work just begun. Like, we've got 50 individual state-by-state -state battles that we need to tackle. And even so, this is a culture war. Like, the, the mission of Students for Life is not just to make abortion illegal, it's to make abortion unthinkable. And so there is a reason why their march takes them to the Supreme Court and then right over here to the Capitol, because for them, they say this is where the next step is. We know that abortion right now on a state level, roughly two dozen, we're approaching the two dozen level states that have either banned or severely limited abortion. We know that there are three. There is an ongoing legal battle. And the conversation around abortion and abortion access has dramatically changed. We know the FDA has changed their guidance around farm pharmacies being able to dispense abortion pills, which makes abortion access even easier. So when it comes to the wins and losses here, Roe was overturned, as we know. But then with that FDA guidance change, that was something that was seen as, you know, a success for proponents of abortion rights. So again, in terms of the mood here, Joe, I think the overall theme is that both sides are galvanized just in very different ways. The work is far from over for them. Both sides are galvanized. Saturday, 21 January, Year of Our Lord, 2023, we're going to go from the Vatican to Ukraine battlefield uh, to the RNC fight uh, to uh, the vaccines, uh, the the, the uh, death and destruction of the vax, all of it. Uh, but we're going to start. Uh, Captain Bannon is going to um, co-host with me for a while. Thank you about the March for Life. Also about uh, battle tanks in the Ukraine. Uh, let's go first to Father Frank Pavone. Father Frank, you can't join us in studio this morning because you had to fly out of here last night. And, and you're at, I believe it's the second largest March for Life in the country. People will be very surprised where it is. Tell us where you are, sir. Hi, Steve. I'm in uh, San Francisco. Uh, we got in here late last night. And today, you're right, it's the second largest March for Life in the country every year. It's the, called the West Coast Walk for Life. And it'll be getting underway in a few hours. Uh, Steve, what we're going to do first this morning is... Uh, Go to Planned Parenthood. As soon as I uh, uh, finish speaking with you, we'll be going over to Planned Parenthood, doing a protest there. Uh, then we're going to have one, another one of those silent no more gatherings, which concluded the march yesterday. Men and women who've lost children to abortion speaking out, sharing their stories. Uh, and then we'll have the rally and we'll be walking tens of thousands through the streets of San Francisco, doing exactly what we did yesterday in Washington, bearing witness to life. Talk to us, uh, you know, yesterday uh, we've got Terry Schilling and Jason Jones going to come on a little later, but uh, t give me your perception of, because there's been this controversy, the March for Life has always been the biggest event in the calendar for the pro-life movement. What was your take on the energy yesterday and, and the commitment uh, at the federal level? We understand people are talking about the states, but what, what is your assessment of where the March for Life, the annual event, it goes from here? <laughs> 
I think the energy level was uh, similar to what it has been in past marches. Uh, uh, the folks that were marching <clears throat> realized that there's work to do on the federal level. At this point, a lot of it is defensive. You know, we're we're creating a block to the extremism of the of the Democrat. What the Democrats want to do on abortion, uh, they want to just get rid of all the state limits. And you know, I was talking with a number of the members of Congress uh, yesterday who were marching. And we were talking exactly about that, that, you know, obviously we can't get any pro-life laws passed in the next two years. Uh, we're going to have to do well in the 2024 elections. But we could certainly put a roadblock up to what the other side wants to do. And, and people, we can never t- tire of reminding people what it is they want to do. They want to not only uh, codify, they say codify Roe v. Wade. They don't even know what they're talking about, because Roe v. Wade itself allowed the states to limit and even prohibit abortions at certain stages. But what, what they're trying to say is, is, uh, uh, we want abortion to be a fundamental right in the law, no exceptions, no restrictions, right through birth. And um, and, and so the, the members in Congress, they need to be blocking that. And what they also want to do by means of those th- those proposals is to take away all the pro-life measures uh, that are out in the states, including parental involvement laws, which most states have, where uh, a parent would be involved in the in a, in a, in a dis- an abortion decision of a minor age daughter. So uh, the, the energy was high. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, there's still some need, I think. You know, people were asking me, what's the next step for the movement? I'll tell you what it is. We have to fully understand what Dobbs said, because uh, I don't think that the pro-life movement has fully absorbed and fully analyzed uh, what Dobbs did and didn't say. Uh, and once, that's got to be the starting point. And once we know that, uh, we, we go to work. And uh, we are going to work in all, in all the 50 states. Well, I tell you what, we want to get you on next week and take some time and explain that because that's that's the essential starting point. What exactly was the ruling? What's the implications? And then how do how do you combat this on on a uh, on a state by state basis and at the federal government? Father Bravone, we know you got to go over to Planned Parenthood. Uh, thank you so much. I know you got in late, and this is very early on the West Coast, but I think people are kind of surprised already. I can tell you in the chat that San Francisco has the second biggest pro life movement in the uh in the country that's old san francisco that's the original san francisco we know and love father how do people how do people follow you to how do people follow you today and where do they go to get you at priest for life okay so it's fr frank pavone on all the major social media platforms fr frank pavone and uh and uh, we broadcast at endabortion.tv endabortion.tv thanks steve thank you father Appreciate it, Father Frank Pavone. Um, I want to talk about the purser. By the way, let's bring, bring in Terry Schilling. Terry, thank you, American Principles Project. Uh, Mo, you were actually at the, the prayer service yesterday. Mm-hmm. Was there was there a disruption? There were uh, a few disruptions, and at first you thought that people were just being moved by the Holy Spirit, and then you realized when you actually listened to what they were saying that they were – Counter protesters and trying to disturb um, the prayer service going on. Oh, so but first, that, you thought they were testifying, or people uh, thought they were testifying. Uh, there were a few uh, Catholic nurses actually that thought they were testifying as well. And then um, when they brought the words non-binary and transgender up, you knew that they weren't testifying; yeah. that they were trying to disrupt the service, um, and they were escorted out. And nothing they actually stopped us. Came into Constitution Hall and disrupted a prayer service. Mm-hmm. There, there were probably about four or five of them. Wow, nothing too low. Um, hang, uh, Terry, uh, give us your assessment of what Father Provone said. First off, is Father Provone right? Do, does the, the, the life movement uh, not fully understand exactly what, uh, what the decision was of the Supreme Court and the implications of that, sir? No, that's exactly right, and thanks for having me, Steve. Um, so here, the, there's a big debate right now across the country. Is abortion just a state's issue, or is this a both and? Right. Um, And uh, I think that the real answer is that this is a both and we need to use the states to protect as many lives as possible. But at the end of the day, this is a federal issue. Either you have a constitutional right to life or you don't. And the the thing is, uh, you know, Benedict, uh, the 16th, passed away and he said that the right to life presupposes all other rights. Right. It's baked into the cake. Um, and so we need to reassess our federal strategy, our state strategy. I love what the states are doing, right? They're they're experimenting, they're pushing the limits, um, and I think there's a lot to learn at the federal level about this. The problem, though, Steve, is that these federal legislators are scared to death of this issue. They view it as a losing uh, political issue, so much to the point where they don't even attack Democrats for their support of late-term abortion. That's 
one of the biggest problems for why we didn't have as big of uh, wins in uh, 2022 as we should have. Uh, but no, uh, Father Pavone's right. It's it, there's there's a big question as to where where the pro life movement goes. But hang on, uh, Rhonda was on yesterday and said that. In fact, she was at the she was at the prayer service. She actually gave a, a short talk and saying that we're the pro life party. Talk to me about because even President Trump came out with that. You know, hey, it's you know it's rape, incest, the big three. I think he called it. Mm-hmm. Uh, is how did these politicians get spooked? Because President Trump's done more than any president ever about this issue since he, he got the three Supreme Court justices that have basically swung it. And those were not easy fights. He had every opportunity to back off, and he would not. What, um, wh- why are people concerned? Are they not getting the message? Because you can definitely tell they're, 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 they're definitely gun-shy. And I think it's guys like Lindsey Graham just coming in and, and dropping that thing that time. He wanted the federal law. I, I think that that was done for, for other reasons than supporting this. So, so it looks like a mess up here in Capitol Hill. At least it looks for me it, it, it's a, on the political side. It, it, there's no messaging. People are gun shy. Uh, they got, as they say about quarterbacks, they got happy feet. They don't really want to take a stand on this, which was not what it was before the ruling. Is, am, I, am I misperceiving this, <clears throat> sir? No, you know, it, it reminds me a lot of the Obamacare fight, right? Uh, Republicans in the House, I think they voted over 150 times to repeal Obamacare. But then when it was time to actually get the job done, they they failed to do it. Um, and I think that's very similar with abortion. When, when it didn't matter, uh, Republicans were totally fine voting uh, however way they had to. Uh, but the moment that the heat turns up and, and things start to get a little bit dicey, these guys are all pointing to their 100% pro-life record and then saying, you know, but this just isn't the time to do it. Uh, and they want to punt back to the state. Steve, a, a, a pro-life movement without a federal solution is not a pro-life movement at all. And then, frankly, it's because the left will never stop trying to codify Roe. They'll never stop trying to force abortion access in all of the states, including the red states. This is ultimately a federal fight, regardless of, of what the political tactics are uh, from from these strategies, it's mostly the consulting class, Steve. They look at this issue of abortion as something that only works with the base. They don't believe it works with Latinos and Hispanics and um, and voters that we really need to win back. But the reality is, is that Democrat voting people, they don't know how extreme their party is. They don't know that Democrats want abortion in the ninth month when the baby's eight pounds in the womb, funded by tax dollars. And we need to do a better job of making sure the American people know, voters know, uh, just how extreme the Democratic Party is. When you talk about extreme, has this has this inform their whole policy about coming after the family? Because I, I believe with you that the centerpiece of what we have to have going forward is the American family, the economics around it, the protection of it, uh, the cultural aspects of it. How, how the, it, it, it. The Democrats are radical in abortion, but they're even as radical about destruction of the of the basically the nuclear family, sir. Yes, no, that's ex- that's exactly right. Uh, abortion is pivotal in their fight to abolish the family, right? Like humanity has been built on unplanned pregnancies, uh, to, to put it lightly. Uh, but what happens when you actually have a baby and you get married is you're forced to, for the first time in your life, to really grow up, right? Your life becomes much less about you and almost entirely about your spouse and your, your new newborn child. And what the left is trying to do is they're trying to coddle Americans and extend our childhood into our 30s, right? You, you really don't, I, 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 you really can't understand uh, life until you have children and you don't start living for other people. You don't start thinking about your community. All of this is tied together in the abolition of the family. Ab- abortion is, is their premier sacrament in, in trying to destroy this country and trying to destroy the family. How do we get to, how do people get to American Principles Project in you, Terry? Um, it's just AmericanPrinciplesProject.org. Or you can find us across the web uh, um, on my social media at Schilling1776. I have a pretty funny uh, video on my uh, Twitter right now. It's pinned to the top. The top five things I've had to apologize to my wife over. It's all true. And um, I think people will appreciate it. Terry Schilling, uh, thank you very much. Uh, By the way, you had had another great video the other day, too. We'll put it up later. Terry Schilling, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Steve. Okay, we've got uh, Mo Bannon. We're going to uh, add uh, Jason Jones, John Fredericks, Naomi Wolf, uh, Todd Benzman, Rebecca Koffler, Ben Harnwell, and others. It's 
jammed. It's a work. Thanks to your support, Patriot Mobile has emerged as one of the leaders in the parallel economy, and they have big news. Patriot Mobile now offers services with all three major networks. This means if you're with the big three and like the service but hate their values, you can access them with Patriot Mobile. They also offer a performance guarantee. If you're not happy with your coverage, you can switch between the three major carriers for free. Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, offers nationwide coverage on the best 4G and 5G networks. So you get the same great service while supporting a company that fights to preserve our God-given rights and freedoms. This new year, resolve to stop supporting companies that don't align with your values. Their 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Just go to PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon. That is PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon. Or call them at 878-PATRIOT. That's 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Bannon. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon. Or call 878-PATRIOT. Do it today. Take action. Use your agency. Is the tell me about Henry Barber, his role in this? Because he's he's correct me if I'm wrong. He's a renowned never Trumper, right? Anti-Trumper. Is he in charge of what the audit or the candidate audit? How does how did because I think he's a consultant also. Do you have a you have consultants like that actually in charge of these things and reviewing this? Henry's an RNC member from Mississippi. I don't know. I don't know Henry as being a consultant. So, um, but but he's a member of the RNC, and I don't think he's a never Trumper either. But. Let's bring in Henry Barber. He's a Republican National Committee member. Yes, I'm proud on New Day to endorse Marco Rubio for president. Is that enough for Rubio to stop Donald Trump's momentum? At the end of the day, we've got to win the White House, and Marco Rubio is our best contrast with Hillary Clinton. The reason that President Trump lost those uh, voters in the suburban areas was just the division. Uh, you know, people people got tired of it. Let's go. Henry's not a never Trumper. Okay. Let's. I don't think nine so. states. No. I think there's Tennessee, Texas, and Arizona, among six others, have have voted no confidence in that they either support her meet or they want a change of leadership. How does that How does that set with you? You know, I think there's been a lot of misinformation put out from Hermit's campaign. You say Hermit's putting out false information. Can you give us a highlight reel of that? Oh, you know, I, I'm not going to go down to that level, but there's been a lot of false information out there. Yeah, but when you say false information, is she lying about you? I think there's been a lot of lies about me, yes. And in the top one or two lies, uh, you know, about you would be what? Well, I think just the beginning of uh, that, a lot of the stuff about the spending has been has been misinterpreted. Do you believe that President Trump won in 2020 and was stolen and rightfully since he got 74 million votes that he is the rightful nominee and we got to take another shot at this or we've lost everything, every purpose as a party? I've been I mean, listen, I've, I think there were all types of problems in 2020. You know, you have Carrie Lake on your show all the time. But coming out of her gubernatorial debate, gubernatorial race, her opponent wouldn't endorse her. Uh, you had a um, Republican mayor in Mesa say, I'm not going to support her. You had the former state party chair in Arizona start a pack against her. And guess what? You didn't win that governorship. So, And it's mainly because of Republican on Republican infighting. Carrie Lake, I think, is one of the most magnificent candidates we've had. And there's no doubt when you look at the math, she won. Was there any? Did you have a conversation with Robeson? Did you ever tell Robeson and these people the exact speech? Did you give Robeson? Said, well, I certainly got to talked to in, Doug Ducey, but I didn't call every candidate across the country and say, "Are you going to do do that?" I'll do that going forward. Sure. Are you open to be in this debate that Harmeet and, uh, and you know Michael this Bell is such a ridiculous fake? This is another fake news lie. I have to conduct business at the RNC. I've got meetings all day. I mean, we're going from seven in the morning till eleven at night every night. So that's that's what our schedule is going to be, and it's booked. Are you open to be in this debate that Harmeet and, uh, and you know, Michael this Bell is such a ridiculous fake. This is another fake news lie. This person put out a debate. John Frederick says, oh, we're going to do a debate. And he does, I have to conduct business at the RNC. I've got meetings all day. And he says, here's this time. And she's not doing it. They never asked me. They never cleared it with my schedule. So this is part of the misinformation, folks. Just pay attention. You know, all if, the, the, if, that if, was if, never, if they, ever if they, asked if, to be part of that debate. And I if, can't. If, if people, if, Re if Real America Voice comes to you and says, hey, give us an hour on your 
schedule that's free no matter the time of day? Would you be open to that? In 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 California? No, we're going to have a forum there. And we're, this is gone. I've been on your show. We're going to have a, a forum and a process there in front of the members. But it, don't throw a debate on me at the last minute and say, oh, now she can't do it when it's already in a pre-scheduled meeting that I'm running. I mean, we're going from seven in the morning till 11 at night, every night that we're in Dana Point. So that's that's what our schedule is going to be. And it's booked. And I'm conducting. Okay. John Fredericks uh, joins us now. John Fredericks, what what a a meanie. Did you you actually call her or or talk to her office and see if the time's available? Or did you just go ahead and do a typical John Fredericks move and just, just, just scheduled it, just booked it, sir? Of course we alerted her, Steve. So look, when you've lost five races in a row and you've spent an ungodly amount of money on nonsense and your donors are abandoning you on a daily basis like Bernie Marcus, etc., all you have is a platform of lies. Of course we reached out to her campaign. Of course we reached out to Emma Vaughn. Of course we reached out to Johanna Persing. We picked that time because National Committee woman from Virginia, Patty Lyman, said here's the day and time where everybody is available because it's a meeting of executive directors of the states that no one has to be at. So that's why we picked the time. Of course we invited her, just like we invited Harmeet and Mike Lindell. Both of those accepted immediately. By the way, they had seemed to have no conflict uh, with it. Now we're told, oh, they never got invited. Yes, they did. They never bothered to respond because they don't care about you or me or anybody listening to this show. They care about their Politburo handing out their favors, the consultants they paid money to, and that's what their re-election campaign is based on. And look, we're going to go forward with this debate. I talked to Harmeet the other day, and she's like, well, if Ron is not going to be there, I'm not going. I said, hey, okay, you know what? Mike Lindell's going. Guess what? That's good enough for me. So we're going forward. We have this debate off-site. It's two miles away at the Marriott Residence Inn, 1 p.m. to 2.15 on Wednesday pack time. And the reason why we're having it there, oh, it's off-site. You can't have it off-site. It's $75 to park. This is supposed to be about the grass roots. You go to the Marriott Residence Inn two miles away, guess how much parking is? Free. You park your car in a parking lot. You come in. Mike Lindell's going to be there. We're open to the public. They want to send somebody fine. They don't. Fine. But we're going forward because... Our base, the grassroots, is sick and tired of being dictated to by the arrogance of these people and the elitism. And if you looked at her interview on your show, and by the way, you were incredibly gracious in giving her three segments, 45 minutes a time. Very gracious, Steve. Thank you for that. But the arrogance that she has, right? She doesn't have to answer to anybody. And hey, I came on War Room, therefore it is, is what she says. She's in a dogfight. Harmeet's gaining traction every day. And I tell you what, Mike Lindell has got votes. These people going around saying Mike Lindell's got one vote. That's a lie. Six people minimum have to nominate him. He's got a right. And the, the, the kind of guy Lindell is, Steve, he said, hey, don't cancel this debate because Harmeet now doesn't want to go. I'll go. He said, tell you what, open the phone lines up, John. I'll take phone calls. I'll talk to anybody in America that's interested about what I'm going to do. Now I got the New York Times there, Politico there, Washington Post there. It's turned. If Mike Lindell's the only guy, the guy there, Steve, God bless him. We're never going to get change if we tuck tail and run away because el- elitists are dictating to us what to what to do. Now she thinks she's going to win. She's got 110 votes, whatever. Hey, talk is cheap. Have the vote. Liddell's going to be there. Maybe Harmeet, maybe not. I don't care. We're going forward. But what she said on your show about me, fake news, this is a total lie. I'm trying to give our base access to what is going on just like you are. And that's fake? Are you kidding me? That's the level of elitist arrogance 
an ego this woman has. She needs to go down. Re-electing her as chairman is going to destroy the party because you've already heard major donors are out. They're not giving her any money. Nobody's going to give her a dime going forward. So look, President Trump says he's staying out of it. Good. Guess what? Not his fight. You know whose fight this is? Our fight. This is not his fight or somebody else's fight. This is our fight. This is the donor's fight. This is the grassroots fight. These are the same people with dirt under their fingernails and calluses on their hands, the blue-collar worker, Steve, of this country, who represent our movement. This is the core of our movement. And her attitude is, hey, go let them eat cake. Go pound sand. I don't owe you crap, but hey, keep knocking on doors for me. Keep hanging out the stupid flyers that don't do anything. And hey, send that $25 a month. I want your money. I want your time. But it comes right down to it. I don't have an hour to speak to you. Go to hell. That's her message. What 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 about her point about uh, you know Mike De, Mike Lindell's divisive? Harmeet is uh, attacking her. She's divisive. That she's the only one that can unite. That she she's the uniter to unite this. Uh, and you uh, you saw the answers to the questions about ropes and, and what happened in Arizona around Kerry Lake. What are your thoughts about? uniting all aspects of the Republican Party. It's the exact opposite, Steve. The only way you unite the Republican Party is by voting her out. If she's in, the party is automatically divided. She's already been abandoned by major donors of the party, led by the senior, uh, the senior donor, kind of the grandfather of it all, Bernie Marcus and others. She's already abandoned that. There's so many people who are not going to give her any money. She's basically carved out the grassroots. She doesn't even understand what her movement is, right? It's all about like cosmetics and you know face jobs and how she looks on TV. That has nothing to do with us. We want to know how we're going to move this populist movement forward, which is made up, Steve, of working people that guess what? They can't get to the Waldorf Astoria. That's a thousand dollars a night. Why do they hold it there? So you can't go. Oh, you want to go in and see what's going on? Hey, you got to pay $75 to park your car, right? It's an exclusive resort. That's why I went to the residence inn at Marriott two miles away. That's where, that's where regular people go. That's our base state. These are people that tune you in every day. They tune me in every day. That is the soul and the heart of our movement. Rana. McDaniel doesn't understand even who her base is. That's the shame of this thing. She is the divisive candidate. Lindell will bring us together. Harmeet will bring us together. She will continue to divide based on her attitude. Here's her attitude. Screw you. I don't have an hour of my time. Uh, I'm working from 6 to 11. Oh, aren't I impressed? You and I do that every freaking day, Steve. I know you do and you know that I do. Every day. Hey, I got an idea. We'll have it at 6 a.m. That's 9 a.m. Eastern. Get up an hour early. Do John, it at 6. Get a plate of eggs. John, hang we'll on. We'll do for it one at second. 6. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get a biscuit. Just stick right there. We're going to take a short break. Jason Jones, John Frederick on the other side. Your host, Stephen K. Bass. Okay, we're already a little jammed up, but we got Naomi Wolf on deck, Jason uh, Jones. Uh, I want to go uh, quickly, John, uh, back to you. Uh, look, Ron is there. The 168 are the ones that vote at the end of the day. And I understand in, in, in our audience should, should, should continue to reach out to their state representatives. And, and those numbers have been put up. I think Steve Stern's done it. We'll do it again this weekend, put up on Getter. So everybody's got access to those people. But is she wrong in saying, hey, John, I, I love what you're doing, and it's interesting, but I've done enough shows. I think there's going to be a candidate for him even there. But my focus that those couple of days of the 168, the Grundoons, you know, uh, you know, the reality is that week the Grundoons don't count. John Fredericks. Sure. If you want the modern-day version of the Politburo, she's fine. If you want the reality of what our party is made up of, and our movement, this is the exact wrong approach. How do you think that 168 got there, Steve? Hey, it starts in February now coming up. Guess what we have to do? Well, we have to go to a mass meeting on some Saturday, and God knows where, where we're going to get a uh, cup of um, Mr. Coffee and a donut hole. That's a Saturday, five hours of our time. Hey, that's fun. Then, after that, we have to go to the 
county meeting. That's all day. Another stale cup of coffee and a Dunkin' Donuts. All day we give up our time. That's number two. Then number three, we got to go to your, your state convention, right? Drive there, spend money in hotels, air, we're there all day, the air conditioner goes out. Doesn't matter what state you're in, it's all the same. So now it's just the third Saturday we have to give up voting for state committee man, state committee woman, and state chairman. So we've given up three Saturdays, spent our money, done the work, and now your attitude to us is even though it's us that voted these 168 people in, we're not interested in what you have to say. I'm only talking to them. By the way, I'm making my deals. I've got people on certain committees. They fly for free to certain things. Hey, I've got consultants that are on the phone helping me. It's all one big scam. And what we've done is we've exposed it. We've exposed the nonsense that they do. We've exposed the money they spend. And we're saying we're done with the elitists. This is our party. We're the movement. We're taking it over. And you're not our leader. That's what we're saying. And all we're saying is, hey, come and give us an hour of your time. She, she just said, oh, between 7 and a.m., I've got to work all the time. Fine. I'll change the time to 6. Get up at 6. Get up an hour early. You can't get up an hour early for your entire grassroots base that supports the party that wants do, to know do, what you do, have to do, say. Do, do That's you promise, not do you worth promise, one hour you promise, of your time at you 6 a.m. Do you promise hot stale coffee in a in a Dunkin' Donut hole if if she does that? I'll br I'll br I'll, I'll have to I can't oh, we we don't have the budget to buy them there we'll have to go off site and you know get two boxes of Dunkin' Donuts but we can have it right for eighteen dollars or whatever not for five hundred my son Joe and I had a cup of co coffee in the in in the in what one of the big hotels in Tennessee we got the bill it was thirteen dollars no I can't do that. But I'll bring, look, do it at 6 a.m. Let's call out her bluff. Do it at 6 a.m. That's 9 a.m. Eastern. That's when my show's on anyway. Yep. Anyway, we're good to go. You, you know who'd show up at 6? Mike Lindell. He'd show up. Yep. Big time. Uh, John, how do people get to uh, your morning show now uh, that precedes Worm on Saturday? How do they get to your regular show? All your content, because this week, John Fredericks will be on location, and it's going to be a battle royale at Dana Point, California, down there at the, uh, the formerly the St. Regis. I think it's now called the Waldorf Astoria, sir. Just follow me, all platforms, at JF Radio Show, at JF Radio Show. This week, uh, starting on Tuesday, I'm going to be on 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern. I've got other people covering for me in the a.m. because obviously we don't, it's, uh, you know, it's too early there. So we're going to bring you all the action, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, which is just leading into Steve Bannon. That'll be on my show. Pl plus, REV is going to be there, so we're going to be giving you updates. Steve, at JF Radio Show, go to, go to Godzilla wins today, my best bet of the weekend. I love the Cowboys, plus four. I think they go into San Francisco, win that game. We don't yeah. know how good this team is. We know how good San Francisco yeah. is. They are what we thought they were. We don't know how good Dallas is. My We'll, we'll my, favorite, my, fa my favorite team, my, my favorite team in the National Football my, my uh, favorite team in the National Football League is whoever's playing Dallas that week. Uh, now to come on Texans, don't, don't <laughs> work with me on this. John Fredericks, thank you very much, brother. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right, Steve. Thank you. So an old, as an old Redskins fan, can I even say that? Are we going to get pulled for saying Redskins? Um, okay, Jason Jones. Uh, we had Father Pavone on from San Francisco. He flew out there for the march on the West Coast. Uh, Schilling, we've had Mo Bannon. What is your sense yesterday of the theories that you actually said, hey, I've been doing this for 25 years. This is my last uh, march for life because I'm focused on the states. Do you agree with this now after seeing the energy here in the nation's capital uh, for all these young people, sir? Yeah, I'm surrounded by young people now. I'm at the Students for Life of America conference. Steve, that might be a promise that I break. But what, I, but what I meant in that article was we really need to professionalize our state organizations. I'm going to be going to these blue states uh, as we continue this battle to march to protect life from biological beginning uh, from Maui to Maine. And, uh, but you're right, Steve. The pro-life movement is the largest, most passionate social movement in the history of our country. And it is driven by young people. And it is especially driven by young women 
and it's exciting to see. So the idea of this being my last March for Life after coming, really right when I got out of the military, I started coming as a young man in my early 20s. Uh, the idea of not coming again after yesterday, I don't know, but I guess if it conflicts with um, the March for Life in Michigan or the March for Life in Pennsylvania or the March for Life in Ohio, then I think I would have to uh, choose uh, attending the, the, the local March for Life. You know, we had Summer Smith on yesterday to kick off the show. Summer's from Liberty University of the, of the Students for Life. Talk to us about the movement. What's always got me since I came here with Andrew back in, I think, 2011, what blew me away was the scale of this march and in, in, in the youth of it, but particularly it's essentially young women. I mean, I think 75%, two-thirds at least, are, are, are young women that are really at the tip of the spear of this. Talk to me about that. Yeah, in fact, right now, Steve, you can't see they're off camera, but I'm surrounded by young, talented women who I'm, I'm fans of. They're all over social media influencing folks. Um, they're young. They're passionate. The left is going to try to astroturf us. They might be able to play that game in a year for a year or two after a post-row. But um, this is an organic movement. We're going to rope a dope them. They can throw at us what they want for the next two years, but it's on. And um, this generation, this fourth generation of pro-life movement is going to, is going to, I say that we have giants standing on our shoulders. I'm at the Omni Shoreham right now. It's a hotel I was at with you and with Andrew Breitbart two weeks before he passed away. And he gave a pro-life speech at this very conference and talked about being adopted. And it's a youth movement. They're very creative. They're very talented. You know, as a filmmaker who's made films like Bella and Crescendo with Justin Bieber's mom, uh, and all these films that I've made, I see how talented these young people are. And I kind of feel like, okay, what do I do now? They've got the, the, the ball has been passed and uh, they're running toward the end zone. Fourth generation. Jason, how do people get to your podcast, all your writings over at Stream? Yeah, right. I write at the stream.org. My podcast is The Jason Jones Show. And see, we have a petition that we're delivering to Pope Francis, freeourbishops.com calling on the, the Vatican to lean on the CCP to demand the seven bishops, the Catholic bishops that have been arrested and disappeared or released. We are bishops.com. In, fa in fact, we're going to talk about this at 1130. I'm going to the Vatican. We got Harnwell to talk about this uh, situation with uh, McCarrick uh, in the, C the secret CCP deal, which I know, Jason, you're, you're at the tip of the spear of. Uh, thank you. We'll, we'll get the petition. We'll get it out uh, broadly. Thank you very much, Jason. Appreciate it. All right, thanks, Steve. Yesterday was uh, was uh, this is is this your first or second March for Life? Is this your first? This is my first March for Life, and I highly encourage anyone if there's a March for Life in your uh, local city, local town, I highly encourage you to go. It was very moving. Um, I will definitely be back again next year. For and the were March you surprised by the by the it was it's young people, right? It's, it's I think I think that's tied to technology. It didn't surprise me, but it did surprise me how it spanned multiple generations. It wasn't just young people out there marching. It was across multiple generations. And there were a lot of, you know, families around my age, millennials, that had actually their young children there marching with them. Um, I saw this one father looked to be about my age, and then his daughter was probably three years old, and she had a baby doll wrapped like you'd carry a baby, um, and she was marching too. So it, that was very moving to see that there were young kids out there marching too. Wow. Do we have the cold open for Naomi? Let's play the let's begin the cold open from Naomi. Let's go ahead and play that, and then we'll bring on Naomi Wolf. You need to know who's been vaccinated and who hasn't been. Some of the vaccines that will come on down the line will be multiple. There'll be multiple shots. So you've got to have, for, for reasons to do with the healthcare more generally, but certainly for uh, a pandemic or for, um, for, for vaccines, you've got to have a proper digital infrastructure. Naomi Wolf, thank you for joining us. Boy, uh, you warned us about this, I think, and I think it was, I'm going to pick a random date. I think it was in 2020. Um, you warned, That was Tony Blair yesterday. We had Nor Bin Laden and, uh, and uh, Joe Allen on yesterday because this is one of the more important of all the panels and all the talks at, uh, at, uh, at Davos. Uh, Naomi, it was a called shot by you. Tell us what Tony Blair laid out yesterday, ma'am. Well, he laid out something that's been in their map um, since before the pandemic. They uh, have planned for this digital infrastructure that would track everyone everywhere forever since 
uh, the late 20 teens. Um, they, they, they planned a digital ID for Europe, you know, some, some years ago. And what is obvious, and I made this case in the bodies of others and, and in this viral video you're referencing as well, um, the pandemic and the lockdowns and the only way out of lockdown is the vaccine and the only way to make sure you've had your vaccine and to let you back into society is to give you, give you a digital passport. That's all pretext to lock people into this matrix, this digital matrix, which is the China-style social credit score. And they are not giving up. And you heard him say, you know, few, and I, I hope you picked up the body language of these people now is fascinating. You know, he's nervous. No one believes what they're saying anymore. He knows it's nonsense, but they're barreling ahead. Um, you heard him say, future vaccines will be multiple injections. Well, we know now the reason for the multiple injections of this mRNA vaccine, and it's to increasingly debilitate people. There's no physiological need um, that we've seen anywhere in the Pfizer documents for multiple injections, except the studies out of Hong Kong, that the second one and then the third one are progressively damaging. Um, so they're determined to herd us into smart cities, um, into the Internet of Things, and into a healthcare-based rationale for a social credit system like China, where literally they can turn off your, as we see in China, they can turn off your uh, credit card, they can turn off your savings, they can turn off your access to food, access to schooling, um, and they're not giving up. And this is, this is the fight of our, our, our lifetimes. Uh, real quickly, we got 30 seconds. I'm holding you through the break. Tony Blair as the pitch man. You don't have a technology person. You don't have a medical person. Why they picked right. Tony Blair to be the pitch man for this man? Well, he took a lot of money from, um, I believe he took money from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. I'll need to check. But uh, money is flowing to these um, WEF spokespeople from many unaccountable uh, front organizations, basically, as well as from McKinsey, as well as from, um, you know, many nonprofits. So he's he's bought and paid. But there's no good reason, right? He's just uh, a world ex-world leader who does his bidding, the bidding of yeah, the Naomi, others. just hang her, hang her for one second. We're going to take a short commercial break. We're going to be back in a moment. We will fight till they're all gone. We rejoice when there's no more. Let's take down the CCP. The new social media taking on big tech, protecting free speech, and canceling cancel culture. Join the marketplace of ideas. The platform for independent thought has arrived. Superior technology. No more selling your personal data. No more censorship. No more cancel culture. Enough. Getter has arrived. It's time to say what you want the way you want. Download now. Uh, make sure you also go to MyPillow.com, promo code WARM. Do it today. we got these massive sales. you got the 80% discount on certain inventory items. You've got the Giza sheets as low as $29.99. Uh, you've got all these buy one, get ones free. Go check it out. MyPillow.com, promo code War Room. Check it out today. Support the armor-piercing shell that's Mike Lindell, the great American manufacturing company that is MyPillow, and, of course, your humble servants here at the uh, War Room. Uh Naomi, what what is Tony Blair specific? Because they they kind of downplayed this a little bit. Although it's main battery for them, you know, they had to have climate change, mental health, uh, artificial intelligence. But th th trust me, the vax is where they're at. So what what is Tony Blair? You called it out two years ago. What is he specifically telling the hedge funds, the venture capital people, all the media, and of course Davos, ma'am, ma'am. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, it took me 10 seconds to find a chunk of the money that is behind his pronouncement. Um, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation gave the Tony Blair Institute for Global Change $3.472 million for just one region. Um, and it, presumably, if I keep searching, I'll find uh, similar cash flows for other regions around the world um, for global health infrastructure in implementation. So let me take a minute as a, a, a nerdy CEO of a tech company to explain to everyone the, the lockdowns were pretext for the vaccine. The vaccine's a pretext for this digital matrix. What is What are they signaling with the commitment to the digital matrix? Right now, you have a certain amount of free will. And in those 33 states where we fought so hard to pass legislation to ban vaccine passports, um, you have a lot of free will. You can choose 
what kind of health care you want or not to get health insurance. Uh, you can choose, you know, where to drive. You can choose to be untracked when you drive in a fossil fuel based car as opposed to an electric car, which tracks everything. Um, you can choose, you know, whom to see without uh, your contacts being swept up and, and tabulated as this is a group of dissidents. We we want to keep an eye on them. We want to, you know, ramp up following their social media, mining their social media. So, and especially HIPAA, the law uh, that protects your healthcare records, it's a federal law, um, is, is the enemy of the people who want this matrix. Now, if if you're a hedge fund manager, or if you're um, Chase, or if you're, um, a, gosh, you know, the Rockefeller Foundation, you right now you're at the mercy of history, and you're at the mercy of human beings' free will. Um, and so there's risk in your investments, right? But if you create a matrix like this, there's no more risk. You can make people buy what you want them to buy. You can make people go where you want them to go. Um, and you can switch them off and on. And you saw the results of this, by the way, I track this. This is a central argument in the bodies of others. Um, by by locking us down and keeping us, tracking us, um, you know, preventing us from assembling, for instance, certain sectors like Amazon, like Nintendo, like Zoom, were up 23% net revenue over the course of the lockdown. So that's predictable. So if you're a hedge fund person, you know there's going to be a lockdown, you invest in Amazon, right? Because Main Street is going to be unavailable. Well, why would you ever give that up, right? You'd want to do that if you're a capitalist at, at a, a mac macro major level for the rest of, of human history. Why give people back their free will? Why let them start their own businesses? Why let them launch their own uh, movements? Why let them assemble freely? So what has been happening, especially with healthcare, is that HIPAA, which protects this last giant piece of human autonomy and privacy, is under attack. And it's under attack from many, many directions. Um, one direction is, oh, let's let 12-year-olds decide for themselves if they want a vaccine then the parents don't have the right to prevent them from being entered into this healthcare matrix, right? Um, but another example I'll give you very quickly is that I avoided seeing a doctor, even for a checkup for two and a half years because I've lost all faith in organized medicine. I finally went for a checkup with this entity called One Medical. One Medical is a classic kind of, the kinds of digital companies you're seeing now that have a super lovely, easy user interface, fabulous app. All of their RNs are very attractive and do yoga. You know, they've got highly styled postmodern waiting rooms. It's only $120 a year. Well, the numbers don't add up. I know this is a tech CEO. You're not going to make back your money for that kind of high-end service at $120 per person a year. But what the business model is, is they're going after your healthcare data. So when I was in my uh, checkout, uh, check up with the RN, she said, oh, look, you know, your uh, your file has lost your family um medical history, and we've lost a bunch of stuff from an ER visit. Um, you'll need to sign a release so that we can fill that in again. Well, I'm telling you as a tech CEO, that is impossible, right? It's not like the database drops things like out of a file folder when you're going from New York to Massachusetts, as I did. It's all one database, and you can't drop chunks of a field of an account unless there's a virus or, or you know, an attack from a hacker. Um, it's just not possible. But what the release would do if I was, you know, ill-informed enough, as most people are, to sign it, is it bypasses HIPAA. And then I, I right away went back to read the terms and conditions. And I know this is nerdy, but bear with me. It's very important. And the terms and conditions, which no one reads, but which I, it's my job to read as a tech CEO, clearly state that they're working with quote-unquote partners. And then I found this in their pitch deck from 2020, right, the middle of the lockdown when no one knew what was happening, allegedly. And their partners are all of these giant healthcare networks, giant hospital networks, giant for-profit networks that I never realized, because I didn't read the terms and conditions foolishly when I would just use that cute app, um, that all of my data is being sent to. And those people are going to own our data, our healthcare data, and quickly One Medical is branching into pediatrics and mental health. And so these people are going to be able to funnel um, your mental health issues, right, or your addiction issues or whatever issues they want to create about you. Are you under stress? You know, I'm sure that's going to be a question they'll start to ask. 
there any addiction in your family? Um, you know, any bipolar illness? They're going to funnel that. They'll be able to funnel it to the government or funnel it to Twitter or funnel it to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, whoever wants it. And then there's going to be a profile of you that can be used to kind of criminalize your thought, switch you off, call you a terrorist, call you a danger to the republic. Um, but also just it's it's vastly valuable for them in tracking everything you're doing and in kind of um, intimidating you if you don't have any medical privacy. Naomi, hang on for one second. 90 second break. We have Naomi with with us. Todd Benzman's going to join us. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOMHEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out. WARROOM Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger, better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. 